We return to Deuteronomy, beloved, and chapter 10, but we're going to hone in on a verse here. You'll remember that we've already read through chapter 10, verse 12, to the end of chapter 11. Uh, I am preparing and uh, will soon be ready to preach chapter 12 for you. It looks like it'll need to go together. I'll show you that later, that there's just so much repetition. It's kind of a complete unit, and it'll, it'll open and close the second commandment on, on idolatry. Uh, but what I did want to do is uh, first look with you at another thing that we'll hone in on. Uh, there's a few verses and phrases that I thought would be nice to come back to and look at in more detail. We've been doing that, and today we do that by returning to verse 17 in chapter 10. So hear now the word of the Lord with me, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. What I want to look at with you, what I want to focus on with you this morning is the last part of this verse. Let me repeat. God rewardeth not persons, uh, excuse me, God regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. Now, of course, we need to understand that in his context, there are other aspects of recognizing his people and rewarding them that are acknowledged in Scripture. So we'll look at what he's, what's really being said here. And this is going to show us something about God. We're going to particularly focus on God and what this is teaching us about God today, one of his attributes, things about himself, and also what should be true about his people and how he calls upon us to reflect him as a redeemed society. Again, we're drilling down uh, to a verse and phrase of this last section of Moses' conclusion of his sermon on the first commandment. The conclusion of it was chapter 10, verse 12 through 11, the end of the chapter. Remember, we started in chapter 6 after the Ten Commandments with the exposition and application of the first commandment by Moses. Uh, what I want to do is focus on verse 17 within that text before we continue on to the second commandment looked at by chapter 12 of Deuteronomy. It is something that will come up more later. There's a few things I've wanted to look at. It's a little bit of a unique phrase or something new that hasn't quite been spoken of a lot. Uh, in, in this case, as a few new things, it is looking ahead. And we'll get more of this later. It's sharing something about uh, how the Lord's eyes are on others, are on people. Uh, it's meant uh, by looking at it today, I want to catch our eyes with this particular verse. Because it shows us that God won't turn a blind eye, a blind eye, God won't turn the blind eye on sin, nor will he overlook the needs of the needy and the least of those in society. God, who is judge and just over all, will not be manipulated by any man's position, nor will he be bribed by anyone. I give that to you as the main idea of what we're looking at in its context. God, who is judge and just over all, will not be manipulated by any man's position, nor will he be bribed by anyone. Paul House writes this about this phrase in the text. God's character is flawless. And uncontaminated by greed or prejudice. 
Now, beloved, let that soak in. This is something that we're being reminded about God, his character, who he is. He is uncontaminated by greed or prejudice. The God of gods, the Lord of lords, the judge of all the earth, we see in the verse. He is uncontaminated by greed or prejudice. And we should rejoice in that just as the Psalms like Psalm 98 and others sing and rejoice about God's coming to judge the earth because the earth is filthy. The earth is full of sin and it often looks as if nothing will be done of it. It often looks that unrighteousness will will get it. People will get away with it. And those who are in high uh, places can be oppressing those under them and nothing will come of it. God doesn't notice. God won't do anything about it. But what we see that, in fact, he's uncontaminated. He isn't going to overlook these things, and he won't allow us to act like that in a redeemed society. Here's what we learn about God. Shorter Catechism number four, asking what is God? Some of what the answer is, God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his justice, goodness, and truth. We want to focus on justice and goodness. So we focus on this phrase today of our text in verse 17. God regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. And while we'll continue to see that developed and how we're to live that out in Deuteronomy, as we had some of that in Leviticus and Exodus in the Pentateuch, what we want to recognize is the call to be just, a just society and concern for the needy and the poor among us and the oppressed and not to oppress them, is that this is to reflect God's own character. And by the way, and by the way, may I say, America, may you be listening. Often when God is judging through the major prophets... His nation and sends them into dispersion to other sinful nations. It's one of the big reasons brought up is not only are they not worshiping him correctly and they're also turning to idols. But a big thing brought up against them often is that they oppress the poor. They take advantage of the needy. And they take advantage of their position. God will have none of that because it doesn't work in his society because he's not like that, you see. God is not a respecter of persons. And that is the message for you reflecting the phrase of scripture that I'm going to be applying this today. What we're learning about God today, what we're focusing on of what he reveals about himself today in this phrase. God is not a respecter of persons. That's something to be glad about knowing about him. And beloved, it needs to be true about you who are his people in living out life in, in different regards of how, about how it could apply. Whether you want to deal with something or not, whether you want to deal with someone or not, God is not a respecter of persons. If a judge took a check on the side from a landlord, and therefore because of that check on the side, he lets the landlord get away with charging an exorbitant rent from his tenants who are very poor, we would be outraged, be on the news. We say, this is horrible. It's not just. It's not good. Well, if we were not outraged, we would not be just. We would not be good and we would not love God because this is what God says about himself. He's not like that. And so we need to be having a soft heart towards others because he points out to us that he is not a respecter of persons. Look at the four in verse 17. It's reflecting uh, to the verse just before it, of course. Uh, 
Verse 16, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. Now notice how God applies not being stiff-necked to him in terms of how we are often stiff-necked to one another and especially the least among us simply because we can. Right? Who do the bullies pick on? The people they can. Right? The people they can beat. Instead of being stiff-necked, proud against God, which also makes us stiff-necked against people in pride, we should consider God himself. In verse 17, the God of gods is yet not a respecter of persons. And we should be like him. Kyle and Delish puts it this way. The true God will not tolerate haughtiness and stiffness of neck either towards himself or towards other men. We are to be humble, beloved, before God. We are to show, humil show humility, excuse me, humility toward one another, as Paul tells us in great detail in Philippians 2. We are to respect this communicable attribute of God, of impartiality. And we are to reflect it in Christian society and any society that claims to be Christian. But certainly in the church. In verse 17, again, he is not a respecter of persons. In the Hebrew, it is literally which not lifts faces. He doesn't lift up the faces. He doesn't hold up in high regard certain faces over others. You can have in view, justice is blind, as we often say. And you think of Lady Justice, and whether it's the reputation in England or in America, the idea of being blind, with a, having a blindfold, right? So I don't look and I don't consider the persons. I just hold the balance of the weights of whether it was right or wrong and what should be done about it, regardless of who they are. And uh, as the one, I think the one in England holds a sword because she will bring justice. She will bring uh, punishment and righteousness to bear. And, uh, but it's to be based on a blindfold, letting the truth be truth. What is right and wrong be what is right and wrong. And having the same requirements of what is to be done about it. You know, how many stories do we hear in history of people who are in certain places of prominence and position? They can get away with all kinds of stuff. Dare we say sometimes murder, literally, because of their position. God is saying, not in my people, not in my land where I put my presence in my place. I'm not like that. And that's therefore not what this place should be like. He's not a respecter of persons. John D. Curd puts it this way. His character is impartial and fair-minded. Jay Ritterboss says he is an uncorruptible judge and takes to heart the fate of the socially weak. That's going to come up again. That comes up a lot in the Pentateuch. And I think Christians in America need to pay attention. Being impartial is God not able to be bribed. He can't be bribed. He won't take something on the side. He can't be manipulated. He is just. He is no respecter of person. And again, that is a regular theme that comes out about God in the Bible. The fact that he is no respecter of persons is something that comes up quite frequently, such as in Job 
34, 18 to 19. It is fit to say to, excuse me, is it fit to say to a king, thou art wicked, and to princes, ye are ungodly? How much less to him that accepteth not the persons of princes, nor regardeth the rich more than the poor, for they all are the work of his hands. Romans 2.11 says, for there is no respect of persons with God. And of course, the argument Paul is developing there, as we'll think about later in a moment, Jew and Gentile are all sinners and all deserve hell. No one deserves anything from God. Galatians 2 verse 6. But of these who seemed to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. God doesn't care about position or status in society regarding justice. He cares for all people alike and equally regarding justice and taking care of our own. Verse 18, therefore, he doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. He takes care of those who are in most, most need of it, you see. Remember, uh, in the Gospels, they marvel when Jesus says that uh, it's difficult for the rich to get into heaven. Well, who can get into heaven if not the rich? <laughs> this is the way the world looks at things. It's actually what would be most likely to keep us out. Because we're less likely to care about God's justice and think we can buy our way into heaven <laughs> one way or the other. And we're not too concerned with those of the needy. I'll, I'll review with you that uh, if you look at the statistics, at least in America, the people who are the most generous and do the most giving are those who are not very wealthy. It's interesting, and this isn't to say that all wealthy are like that, but that tends to be the case. And God doesn't want that. He wants us to be generous and to take care of the needy. You can think of the Good Samaritan's story, for instance. You know, there's a reason that everybody was so impressed also with the scribes and Pharisees. You know, when Jesus says the Pharisee goes up to pray, but he thinks he's so amazing and all the stuff he does... He's trying to buy his way and bargain with God to go to heaven. Jesus says he goes away unjustified before God. It's the sinner beating his breast, crying out, God, I have nothing to give you or offer. Have mercy on me. He goes away justified because he takes Christ and he receives all that Christ has to offer on his behalf as mediator. God takes care of the lowly sinner through Jesus who saves his people from their sin. So we should be concerned similarly with the needy and, of course, with sinners, some who are so affected by it all their lives. And because of the life they've been born into, they're very low and we're very likely to look down on them. God would have us look at them the same as images of God needing salvation, just like anyone else. Therefore, verse 19, love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Don't forget, this was you. 
Don't get proud about who you are in Christ. You were a slave to the world. You were decrepit. Go to Ezekiel 16 if you want to remember what you looked like before God picked you up and cleansed you and raised you and blessed you. We have to remember this and we have to be concerned about the same things God is concerned for. Now, keep this marked with me, but I want to turn ahead to chapter 24 of Deuteronomy. Because this is the way God is and this is how he cares to the people of his society. Uh, we need to be looking at, of course, we remember that in uh, Acts chapter 6, that's why the diaconate was created. Not because only that the elders needed to focus on the ministry of the word and prayer, but because taking care of the needy was being neglected. And it was extremely important that that was not the case. So that's why the diaconate was developed in Acts chapter 6. The living out of this. And so keep that in view with our, with our mercy ministry and diaconate in the church. Deuteronomy 24 verses 17 to 18. Thou shalt not pervert the judgment of the stranger, nor of the fatherless, nor take a widow's raiment to pledge. But thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and the Lord thy God remembered thee thence. Therefore I commanded, command thee to do this thing. We want to be careful that we aren't taking an advantage of someone like David did of Uriah. You know, the one sheep, as Nathan says. We want to be careful that we are not taking the vineyard like Ahab. God brought serious justice because of that. Taking advantage of those who can't protect themselves. Jesus, remember, says that those in the body of Christ may seem least honorable, and those who seem least honorable are actually worthy of the most honor. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 23. And the truth is, we don't see it that way. Not in our heart of hearts, and not the way we countenance one another. And it often can be observed as we would study one another's faces and behaviors, body language, or lack thereof. And when you serve the basic needs of the least of his brethren in the church, he says you do it unto him. Matthew 25, verse 40. All the things he could, he could list of what, when you do this, you're doing it unto him. It is when you are taking care of the basic needs of the brethren in the greatest need who can't help themselves. That is to reflect God. Beloved, be so glad that Jesus is the judge of the earth and he will bring justice for and upon all and be thankful that he took it on himself on the cross for you and me. All wickedness will be made right. No one will get away with what they have done. When they cry out in heaven, how long, O Lord, how long until you bring justice to us, the martyrs, they'll get it. Not so long is his answer. He will not suffer anyone to escape his righteous judgment. All oppressors of other people will be laid low by the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who care about justice and righteousness ultimately one people under God and of his Christ forever and ever rejoice in that as do the Psalms. J.G. McConville says this, the picture of what we're seeing here about God, the picture is of a king 
exercising just and merciful rule, the enforcement of Yahweh's impartiality. You see, this is he's reminding them how they are to be as a people as they take over the promised land. And it's going to be truly one nation under God. It needs to reflect his impartiality as a society of God. Let's look at reminders of this back in Deuteronomy chapter 1 to begin with. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verses 16 to 17. And I charged your judges at that time, saying, Hear the causes between your brethren, and judge righteously between every man and his brother, and the stranger uh, that is with him. Ye shall not respect the persons in judgment, but ye shall hear the small as well as the great. Ye shall not be afraid of the face of man, for the judgment is God's. And the cause that is too hard for you, bring it unto me, and I will hear it. Now, do you recall particularly what this is alluding to? Exodus. I believe it's chapter 17, if not 18. The, the way that the elders are to be called out and serve under uh, Moses in bringing God's commands and helping in uh, larger and smaller groups work out justice. But it's all about people coming and them judging righteously according to God's word and not having respect of persons. Hey, so-and-so who's of high regard did this to me. Well, let's not judge them too quickly. But oh, so-and-so of low regard to this, let's nail them. You know, we don't have partiality. We have blind justice as we keep our eyes on Jesus, the judge and his perfect word. But I want to point that out for the officers of the church. You are to be not a respecter of person. You need to be willing to call out those that you're afraid to call out. Just as much as you're happy to call out those that you do not fear. No impartiality. No respect of persons. It doesn't matter how long or how little they've been in the church. It doesn't matter how much they've done or how little they've done for the church. No respect of person in judging things. And that is the main job of rulers, remember, of, of elders, is governing and ruling. No respect of persons. Impartiality. Justice for all in Christ the Lord. Turn ahead with me to chapter 16, verse 19. Deuteronomy 16, verse 19. Thou shalt not rest judgment. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift. For a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. Or as had been said earlier in Exodus 23, verses 3 and 6 to 8. Neither shalt thou countenance a poor man in his cause. Thou shalt not rest the judgment of the poor in his cause. So first of all, recognize, even if they're poor, you, you have to have mercy and compassion on their situation. But they still have to be dealt with because of their sin. 
It goes on to say, keep thee far from a false matter, and the innocent and righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. And thou shalt take no gift, for the gift blindeth the wise and perverteth the words of the righteous. Now I want to point out to you again, elders, recognize... And ministers have to be careful of this. Sometimes certain gifts given to you may be you know, kind of make you feel a little obliged to look over some things in the future or at the moment. No, this is this is why uh, in certain places in life you, there's a thing that's told you cannot take payola. I remember one time I was working for the Pittsburgh Zoo and Aquarium and we were bringing cakes with a picture of the baby elephant on them. You know, you can print those pictures because we're celebrating it and doing PR. And my mentor and guy that trained me who used to lead the marketing of the zoo, we, we went to these different places of the media and like the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and they, most of them loved it. Oh, this is great. They, got, they enjoyed it. They realized we're not buying anything, but we are trying to celebrate and, you know, get your attention. We don't expect you to do anything because of it, but... You know, we want to try to get your attention and, and promote it. But when we went to the AP Wire, the office for the AP Press in Pittsburgh, uh, some of the guys were like, oh, come on, relax. But I remember the lady in particular, she was not happy about this delivery. She said, are you trying to buy something? She was concerned that we were trying to force or make her feel obliged to do a story, which wouldn't be right and just. It has to be based on true news. It, you want to buy it, it's called advertising. <laughs> you know. And so there's that idea of there's no payola. Nobody, especially the officers of the church, have to be careful not to be influenced. Notice how often the idea of getting a reward blinds you. But notice it's in advance to blind your judgment when it comes. And don't think that the officers of the church aren't in danger of giving in to that in subtle ways. And don't think that people... People aren't in danger of trying to do that in subtle ways, if not very unso. This isn't saying anything about cheerful giving, tithing. This is just saying it doesn't have to be money to do that. There's all kinds of position recognized that God is warning about. All kinds of the higher ones that can just have their influence where we just kind of lay off. And the others below us won't have any probably step, problems stepping on for the same things. No respecter of persons. You cannot be bought because God cannot be. And we are to reflect him, especially we who are put in authority in family, church and state, reflecting him in Christ. First Peter one, verse 17. And if ye call on the father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear. Colossians 3:25 But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done and there is no respect of persons 2 Chronicles 19:7 Wherefore now let the fear of the Lord be upon you take heed and do it for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God nor respect of persons nor taking of gifts God is not sinful there's no iniquity in him and what is highlighted to point that out he doesn't take a bribe he has no respect of persons as it relates to justice and righteousness and dealing with sin to do such is a sin, so it is not in God, thus it should not be amongst us. Beloved, be thankful that God does not exclude you Gentiles from the redeemed rule 
of Jesus. Acts 10.34 Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. What is Peter talking about there in Acts chapter 10? Oh, Cornelius, the Gentiles. Okay. God does a really powerful vision to set him up for it because the Jews were inclined to think the Gentiles had nothing to do with God in Christ. But of course, the prophecy is that when the Messiah comes, the Gentiles would be brought in. Don't think too much of yourself, which is what God has said to us in chapters 10 and 11 of Deuteronomy, right? Don't think it has anything to do with us. And don't think anyone else is not allowed to be brought in if God would bring them in. You cannot bribe God, including to get into heaven. He sees your works like all men as sinful and in want. So Paul, who earlier in chapter 2 said he's not a respecter of persons, was building to Romans 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So he will respect only one person for anyone to be with him in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that includes you, born in the church. That includes you, serving in the church for a long time. He is just, so you must be judged forever in hell. If you're not truly trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, unless you truly and personally receive his grace and you're not trusting in yourself or your position or your birth, but in Jesus alone, receiving his grace, which is offered to all in the gospel call. And to do that is to deny all your works and thinking you can merit before God and receive by free grace instead the perfect work of Christ. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. See, recognizing there's no respecter of persons and we all should be going to hell. And you can't buy your way into heaven Come with the blood of Christ to purchase you and redeem you. Revelation 22, verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Sadly, some people's experiences in church or around the church is they think they cannot come. Because of the high and mighty looking down upon them one way or the other. Jesus says, whoever will come. John 6 verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. That is, coming with nothing in your hands to bring simply to the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood and his righteousness you cling with God, respecting the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, as you partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, and you remember your sins and you weep over them, also remember your Savior and rejoice in Him. 
and be so thankful that he is the messianic prophet, priest, and king, not only to the Jews, but also to you Gentiles. And be so incredibly glad indeed that God is not a respecter of persons. Again, that is the message for you this morning. God is not a respecter of persons. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for showing us who we are outside of Christ and blessing us in our union with Christ. We respect only him who needs no justice, for he is just and brings justice on the earth. We thank you that you brought justice to us on Christ, that it isn't on us, for we too must be condemned and punished forever in hell, if not for Christ in our place. And Lord, we pray as people under the blood of the Paschal Lamb that you would indeed cause us to focus on and rejoice in your attribute of justice and impartiality and concern for all people under God. Protect us from being oppressors of others. And remember to say, there but by the grace of God go I. And we do thank you for your grace, O Lord God, and ask your blessing on us now. And we pray in Jesus' name and all your people said, Amen.